0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. That's really good. It's really good to be here with you on this very special Christmas Eve, our sixth and final service. What an honor. We've had about the same attendance pretty close to all of us. It's been really good to worship with all of you. So, I just ran from back there worshiping with my family all the way up here, tripped up the steps, so I'm still catching my breath, and I apologize. Okay, so we're back. Hey, I believe that tomorrow is special for many, many, many reasons. One of them is if you're at all like our family, you've been planning for weeks on Christmas presents. Are you with me? It doesn't matter if you do this through Amazon or if you're one of those year-round shoppers or whatever it is, somehow you've been gathering perfect gifts. And if I know anything at all about you, you're a little bit like us, and there are certain kinds of gift givers. Let's see which kind of gift giver you are. You ready? There is the thoughtful gift giver. Now, the thoughtful gift giver is the person who pays attention to what you're saying year-round, they know you, and they're listening for little clues that you give them. There's a commercial that comes on TV, and you go, ooh, that would be really cool. Or you get to the end of a TV show, and that person goes, huh, they really like Star Wars. Maybe they'll want a Star Wars toy. I don't know, whatever it is. And so they listen to you year-round, and then they set out to find you the perfect gift. So they go buy or make or develop or create what they believe in their mind, Mind is the perfect thing for you now they never asked you if you wanted it so you may or may not enjoy the gift but they have put a ton of thought and time and love into their gift now before you say if that's you or not let's get to the second kind of gift giver the second kind of gift giver is the intentional gift giver they go to you and they say, what is it that you want? Give me a list and I'll pick what you get based off the list you give me. So they may go to the store and they may get you exactly what you asked for, something very similar, but the whole idea is they intentionally sought out what it is that you wanted and then got it for you. And then the third kind of gift giver is the choose your own adventure gift giver. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're the person who comes to you and they give you cash or a gift card and they're like, look, I just want you to be happy You're going to get whichever one you want. So you go and you pick. Now, let's just find out by raise of hands, which one are you? Ready? So if you are the thoughtful gift giver, would you raise your hand? Okay, okay. If you are the intentional gift giver, would you raise your hand? If you are the choose your own adventure gift giver, would you raise your hand? If you are all three, depending on the person you're buying the gift for, would you raise your hand? Okay, okay, I think that one is probably me because, and maybe this is like all of us, depending on how close you are to me, it probably depends on how much thought you get put into your gift, right? Like if you're really close to me, you get a lot of thought. If you're kind of further away, you get the gift card, right? It's like, like yeah, I like you a lot or I like you a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. It's not quite have got. Now, why are we saying all that? Maybe all of that is irrelevant, but I think that God is a lot like all three of these kinds of gift givers. And I actually think I can make a little bit of a tie into the Christmas story with that very thing. Let's take a look real quick. Luke chapter two, look at verse six, you ready? It says this, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And before we get into the gift-giving part for a second, this last line here, I bring you good news that's gonna bring great joy to all people, how could a baby... Lying in a feed trough, if you don't know what that is, a manger is just the thing that animals eat out of. So how could a baby lying in an animal feed trough bring great joy for all people? And the first answer is because God is a thoughtful gift giver. Here's what I mean by that. God has been watching and paying attention to the human heart, the human longing, the human need, the human desire for all time. In fact, it even goes beyond that. Peter tells us that before the foundations of the world were laid, Jesus Christ was crucified, meaning God looked into the future, knew exactly what our need was going to be, and was already determined to give us a gift that would meet that need. God is a thoughtful gift giver because he's constantly paying attention and he's watching and he loves you and he cares and he's engaged. And so he gave you a gift that reflected the fact that he was doing that over your life. When these angels proclaim the good news is coming that's going to bring great joy for all people is because God knew the one thing that every human wants is joy. That's what we're all looking for. The problem for most of us is not that we aren't looking for joy, it's that we start looking for it in all the wrong places, as one country song hinted at. We all want to find joy and happiness, but God knew you would only find it when your soul found its rest in him. So he brought himself to earth. Let's pick up at verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. <laughs> How is God an intentional gift giver? Well, an intentional gift giver comes to you and says, tell me what it is you want. The intentional gift giver, though, goes off your list and ends up fulfilling the list based off their belief of what it is you've said you want. And that is exactly what God did to us in Jesus. And these angelic beings are letting us know it in little clues that you have to understand the Bible story to get the pieces put together. The fact that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the city of David, is a clue for you. David was the king after God's own heart. And we are told in Samuel, I think it's 2 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 8, that one day there will be a king whose kingdom will reign forever. It was already pointing us to Jesus and that was roughly a thousand years before Jesus showed up on the scene. God was a thoughtful gift giver because about the time that Jesus came, and, sorry, an intentional gift giver, because the time that Jesus came, Rome was the ruling party over the Israelites, and they were terrible, oppressive, evil, cruel, mean. Their taxation was brutal and backbreaking to the common person. And the Israelites living under that cried out to God for release and for freedom. And so God sent them release and freedom through a baby in a manger. See, every king starts as a baby, But only one king became a baby. And the reason that that's important is because very much with intentional gift givers, you don't always get exactly what you ask for, but you get what they believe you meant. And that is exactly what happened with God when it came to Jesus, Jesus gave them freedom, but it wasn't freedom from Rome. It was freedom from their real enemy and the powers of darkness. Their real freedom came from sin. And see, we have to understand the Bible story to put these pieces together. But what could be so important about a baby and a feed manger and a manger and a trough? What could be so important about that? That would make all of heaven sing. And the answer is that this baby is special. This baby is unique. He's not like any other because one day he'll rule and he'll reign and his reign will be righteous and just and merciful and peace and loving and good and kind. Have you ever noticed how much fighting there is going on in the world today? You ever turn on the news at night? You ever change the channel when your kids are in the room? We should call it the evening bad news, I think, is what we ought to call it. It seems like all anybody ever does anymore is hurt and lie and steal and deceive each other. We can't even figure out which politicians to believe and which ones to trust. It is such a corrupt world that we live in, but not this baby, not this king. Of his rule and his reign, it will be one known as peace, and it will be one known as righteousness, and one known as justice. It's the very thing that every human in every creation or every uh, civilization since the dawn of time has cried out to God for. God said, I'm gonna give you exactly what it is you need. But how is God a choose your own adventure kind of gift giving God? Well, let's just keep reading for a moment here. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. On whom does God's favor rest? Let's just ask that question real quick. On whom does God's favor rest? You have three choices. Everybody, nobody, or somebody. All right, so as a Christian, we would say the answer can't be nobody. The fact that Jesus came as a baby lying in a manger means God's favor rests on at least somebody. So we narrow it down to does God's favor rest on everybody or does God's favor rest on just somebody? Which is it? Well, in some ways, the answer, the Bible will tell us, is everybody. The Bible says God sends the rain on both the good and the evil. He's kind, he's merciful to everybody in those kinds of ways. Everybody gets the sunrise, everybody gets the sunset. Everybody gets the snow and mosquitoes, not all things are good, but we'll move on. So anyway, the point is that God's goodness rests on all, regardless. But God's favor rests on somebody. Well, how will we know when God's favor rests on a person? Well, the angels proclaim to us peace to those on whom God's favor rests. So, how do we receive God's peace? In perhaps the best chapter in the entire Bible, if you made me pick one, if you forced me to pick one, I would probably pick Romans chapter 8. Because I think Paul brings to culmination so much theological stuff that he's been talking about. There's so much he packs into one chapter. I'm not even sure how he does it. But in Romans chapter eight, we see Paul say things like, because this baby came, because Jesus came to earth, that now we can have a right relationship with God. That's why the baby came. But the baby came to set up a kingdom, a kingdom that would live in the hearts of men and women, and that that kingdom would draw a line in the sand so that you would stand on one side of the line or the other. On this side of the line, outside of faith and outside of trust in Jesus Christ, the world will be this chaotic place that while the general favor and goodness of God will rest upon all, there will be hurt and pain and suffering and evil and backbiting and devouring and fighting and all kinds of sin running rampant. But on the other side, inside faith in this baby who would become king, inside Jesus Christ, what we find is peace will reign in our hearts inside spite of the strife and the struggle and the pain and all the other things that exist in the world that we live in. So therefore, the peace of God comes to us. And Paul tells us in Romans 8 that neither, neither uh, height nor depth nor angels nor devils nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God when we're inside this thing called faith. That we therefore can have peace with God no matter what this world throws at us. He also tells us in Romans 8 that all of creation is crying out, groaning to God, asking for release and freedom, that because of sin in the world, that's why we see tornadoes, that's why we see earthquakes, that's why we see cancer, that's why we see evil and pain and suffering. But here in faith, while those things still happen, we could be anchored to the one who is bigger than all of it and trust that the baby has come to become king in our lives and king forever in our hearts. Yeah. Paul actually says in Romans 8, verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The point then is that Jesus would usher in a new kingdom. When he died on a cross and he rose from the dead, he said, I'm gonna leave you. I'm going back up into heaven, but I'm sending one after me, the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was God with us, but the Holy Spirit is God in us. What we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas is that Jesus ushered in a new life, a new way, a way of the Spirit of God in us, a new kingdom, a new birth, a new thing, So tomorrow as we gather, yes, whether you're the thoughtful giver or the intentional giver, the choose-your-own-adventure giver, you're going to open presents. But don't forget that the day is about the king who brought you a choice, a choice to either be with God or be without God, a choice either live with him or to live without him. With him will bring you peace and joy. Without him, you will experience happiness. Tomorrow will probably be a happy day for many people who don't have God. But there won't be lasting joy. There won't be lasting peace. And if you're here today and you're experiencing that and you're feeling that, and there's a reason why, did you know that alcohol use and suicide rates go up at this time of the year more than any other time of the year? It's because what you need more than anything is the one who came to bring you peace. We believe in the God who says, choose your own adventure because you can choose me or you cannot choose me. Throughout the month of December, we've taken a different Christmas song for each of our Sundays, and now we conclude it here on Christmas Eve with the song, Joy to the World. Here's the words to that song. You probably know them, but here's some of the words, not even all the words, some of the words. It says this, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. Now, why are those words so powerful? Because they're everything that I just told you we see in the baby Jesus. In other words, in the same way that there wasn't room in the first inn for Jesus, the song encourages us to make room in our hearts tomorrow as your opening presence, to remember that we sing songs, we give praise and glory and honor to the one God who became flesh among us. And the reason that I love that one line there, heaven and nature sing, the angels showed up the night of the birth and start singing. They're like, man, if you knew what we knew, you'd be singing too. Did you know at one point Jesus says, if no more humans open their mouth, no more humans sing praise to God, then the rocks and the trees will cry out. In other words, all of the spiritual realm and all of the created realm that can't speak know who their God is, know who their creator is, and they praise him. And the question remains, will humans join them in the song? Then I think it's the third stanza says, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The song is pointing to Genesis when Adam and Eve fell and sin became a part of the earth and now thorns and toil and struggle and strife and in Jesus a new kingdom, a new day has been ushered in. So now no more is the curse a part of our lives because death no more has its sting. Now we live our lives for a new kingdom, a new day when our king returns. And then the last stanza says, he rules the world with truth and grace And he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. What the world finds out over and over and over again is that Jesus Christ is grace and truth. He's not one or the other. He's not balanced one or the other where he goes from grace to truth. He is full on grace and full on truth. He will look you right in the face and say you're broken and I'm here to save you because that's who he is. And his justice is truly just. And his mercy is truly merciful. And his peace is truly peace. And in him, we have the greatest gift the world has ever known. So tomorrow, as you gather with your families, I encourage you this. Take some time. Open Luke 2, Luke chapter 2, and just start reading to each other. Remind each other again what tomorrow is really all about the God who became one of us, that he could save all of us if we will let him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being a thoughtful gift giver, for thinking of our needs. God, thank you for being an intentional gift giver, for going out of your way to pull history together, to tell us exactly what you're gonna do to do it, to defeat our enemies even when we didn't even understand who our enemies were to redeem the broken parts and our bad decisions and bring good from them. And Father, we thank you for being a choose your own adventure kind of giver because you put the choice in our hands to choose to walk with you, to choose joy and peace. And God, my prayer right now is that there are men and women and children here today hearing this message who for reasons they don't even understand will feel compelled and drawn to you and choose to live their lives for you right here, right now. God, as we sing this song to you, may you receive our praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people pray.